after that worship session, like six people walked out. So I'm assuming that was because they need the loo rather than they were going to run home. Thank you very much, Ben. Okay, before I start preaching today, no, that wasn't my preach earlier. Um, I said I was, yeah. We're going to start a new series today, which is called The Family Flag. And the idea behind this series, uh, we're very excited about it, is that we wanted to do a couple of things. One was to share a little bit and be a bit more transparent about how we plan in the future to build leadership structure here at Flow Church. So we thought that'd be an interest to some of you. Some of you may not find that interesting. Some of you will love that. And so each week we're going to get, um, so my dad is going to share today on behalf of the trustees. Emily's going to share next week some new stuff. And then I'm going to share at the end of the week our overall plan, what we hope to get to um, sort of in the next year or so. We're going to take our time with it. The Bible says to be slow in laying on of hands and appointing leaders. So we're going to take our time. Um, but we thought you wanted to know, know that. And then also I wanted to raise your faith for what to expect for your house. We're going to teach you a little bit about how we plan to structure this house, but we wanted to give some practical, some advice about how to structure your own homes and also to have faith for your own homes. Now, you may be thinking, Liam, you've only been married two years and you don't even have kids yet, and that is absolutely true. But please understand, I'm not going to teach you from Liam's experience. I'm going to teach you from the Word of God. So try and receive it as that. Uh, You do have me for three weeks in a row. Uh, partly because Emily's going to be doing the hospital service soon in a couple of weeks. But also Emily has a book on her heart and I'm trying to release her so she can write that book on insecurity. And I believe it's going to be a really impactful book and I want her to take time. I believe it's going to go national. We'll take it into Europe. Uh, I just see it. There's something about it. I think lots of us struggle with insecurity and I think Emily needs to write about it. She's had some great revelations from God. So I'm trying to release her. But you've got me for three weeks. But I know you're very excited about that, aren't you? Yes, thank you. And uh, yeah, so that's the plan. So I'm going to welcome my dad up, and he's going to come and tell us a bit about trustees and how we plan to structure in that sense. Give him a round of applause. Wow, it's bright up here. This is amazing, isn't it? Six or seven weeks ago, he allowed me to speak, and I'm back. (laughs) Uh, Hey, you'd have thought once was enough, wouldn't you? Uh, I'd like to pull two or three things together in one go, so please keep up with me. Is that okay? Uh, first of all, uh, this week I've been uh, following. This is not stable, is it? It doesn't stay. This week I've been uh, I've been working on uh, the book of Peter. So I, First Peter chapter five, if you really want to know, and it talks about elders of the church. I don't consider that me, but I thought it was great learning, and it says there, be shepherds of the flock. Uh, and I thought about that uh, for myself, but hey, Liam, you've been a great shepherd this morning, haven't you? He's not the shepherd or a shepherd. He is a shepherd of us. And it's been absolutely great the way that you've pulled us together this morning. As that family, as we come together, you've shepherded us I- into the ways uh, uh, of Jesus. And we love you for the way you do that uh, and, the, and the way in which that works. Okay. So keep that in your mind, because that's relevant too. Last time I spoke, I used the number seven. Do you remember that? Number seven? So uh, you, you do remember, don't you? Oh, crying out loud. Most of you have forgotten. It was so important. It's a bit like Sesame Street, this. Now, number seven, the show is number seven. I asked for money. 
I asked for money. I don't like that, but it was necessary for our church. I used the number seven because we needed to put £7,000 into our funds to give us stability in case anything happened, so we had enough money to cover our debts. Do you remember that? Yes, Stephen would be great. I also asked for 14,000, which is twice the number of seven, you've got that, to help us with our mission trips. And I explained that we need about 7,000 pounds a month to keep going. You remember all of that? And the number seven. Well, it was fantastic. You did it. Uh, you did it. And I, 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 I give thanks to God for the gifts he gives to me and to you and for generosity. Uh, I didn't see the amounts everyone gave, gave, it's not appropriate for me to do so, but I did see the list of amounts, and just about everybody in our church must have given something. And that I find absolutely amazing. You did it. You did it. And uh, I think it's worth remembering that you did. So what now? What's happened since now and then? Can I just give you a very brief insight into the family workings of the Parker family? Is that okay? You see, what happened was, about six or seven months ago, my brother said to me, on the first weekend of May, I'd like to take my wife away. Would you look after our two children, Jonty and Georgia, 10 and 8? I, of course, said yes. Unbeknown to me, my son said to Julie, my wife, uh, some months ago, we're going to be away the first weekend in May. Would you look after our grandson, Jacob? So for the last two days, we have had Jonty, Georgia and Jacob into our house, which normally doesn't have kids under 10. So sleeping has been a challenge, but the midnight feast was fantastic. Uh, and, and I share that with you because this is family. And, you know, since the last time we met, the letter J has been quite important. So I have in my family Jonty, Georgia, which actually is J-O-R-J-A, and Jacob. So you've got that. My wife's name is Julie. You're keeping up with all of this, aren't you, eh? And since we last met, we have added to our structure in church, and I think we've used the letter J very well. Uh, you remember I asked for people to help with finance. Well, we had Jenny and Jacob take up, that take up that responsibility. Isn't that great? We also needed to put some structure around our safeguarding, and we've had Julia and Jean help us to do that. Is that not great? So, look, there's a message here. If your name begins with J and you don't have a job, then watch out, guys, because it's coming your way. Uh, but isn't it fantastic that here we are, you know, six months, seven months in, we've, we've pulled our church together. We are celebrating the love of Jesus Christ. We've seen fantastic finance. We've seen people devote, de, uh, devote their lives to Jesus in, in this way. The next few months, we'll see a change in trustees, I hope and I think, where some of the trustees will move out and some new ones will move in. That's fantastic too, isn't it? Because that gives us stability, that gives us new insight, and that gives us some great forward thinking. The last verse in, uh, in the, the verse in, in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, if you want to check it, it says this, greet one another with a, with a kiss of love. I don't know about that, do you? I, I, I don't know whether that's the way in which it's going to work, but it just seemed to me that's the, that's the sentiment we are, we are creating 
this love for one another, this devotion to each other, and our, our devotion to our church and the way in which it moves forward. So thank you very much for all you have done and all that will be done. So, you? You ought to have a name of Jay. No, I'm good. If it helps, when uh, the Bible says they should greet each other with a kiss, first century Israel would have meant that on the lips. So if you're, if you're interested, Emily and I will be standing at the exit <laughs> on the way out. <laughs> ah, banter. Cool. Do you like the person you're sitting next to? Have you told them today? Good. Paul, you should go to your wife first. Duncan and Paul, you should. Oh, you did. Good. That's good to, that's good. That's good to hear. Uh, okay, so I'm going to read from Acts 10. Uh, can I encourage you, please read this in your private time uh, this week, which I'm sure you're all keen to do. And uh, there is a few verses in it. It's up to 48 verses in this chapter. I'm not going to read them all today, um, but I will give you the general gist, and then uh, we'll read the first verse, verse 8. So the Holy Spirit has come, baptized all the believers with the power of the Holy Spirit. They've begun preaching. They've begun building communities, uh, and they've begun spreading out into different areas. But up till now, it has remained amongst the Jewish community of Israel. And God is intending for them to reach all kinds of people, including what they know as the Gentiles. Now, that may sound just a bit of history, but that's very important because you are one. So if, this, if Acts 10 didn't happen, you wouldn't be here. So it is, let's be grateful for it. And uh, in this passage, uh, Peter... Actually, there's two things that happen simultaneously. On one side, there's a guy called Cornelius, and Cornelius gets a vision from God, which we are going to read about today. He is a Roman centurion, should not be allowed to meet with God in this way. And then there's a guy called Peter, who I'm sure you sounds familiar to you, but he was a disciple of Jesus. He was a Jewish man, and he was a follower of Jesus. And he also has a vision from God. And then God aligns their paths together, and um, then Peter goes to preach at Cornelius' house. He goes to preach at his house, and the Holy Spirit falls, and they get filled with the Holy Spirit. They get baptized into the community, and they become followers of Jesus. At that point, it was known as the way. They didn't start out as Christians. They started out as the way, and then they became Christians actually through persecution, but that's another point. But please know my point here. It was in a house. The bit we're going to read together today took place in a house, not at a conference, not at a church gathering, in somebody's living room. Now, he would have been fairly rich as a centurion, so it would probably have been a big house with a courtyard, but it took place in a house. Are you excited to read this today? Do you like the Bible? Yeah? You reading it regularly? Why don't you just look at the person next to you and say, read the Bible. Verse 1. At Caesarea... There was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household. With all his household. He gave alms or he gave money to the poor and generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come to him and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? Do you like that? That's a bit of terror. No. And he said to them, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. 
And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel spoke to him, uh, when the angel speaking to him departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended to him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now, the aim for me today is I want to build faith for you and for your house. Okay? I don't have loads necessarily to share. Maybe get a bit practical. But my main aim today is to raise your expectations for what God can do for you. I want you to really start having faith and trust in God, standing on the promises that he said, on what Jesus Christ said, that's what you hold on to. Not your own logic, not your own understanding, not your own strength, not what other people can do. You stand on what God can do for you. So I thought I would start today by maybe sharing with you one of the funniest but yet also awesome miracles I've seen. I want to raise your faith, okay? Uh, when I was a youth pastor, which I was for 10 years at Kareth Community Church, if you didn't know that, we saw a great move of God amongst the young people. And I started a school lunchtime club called Jesus and Donuts. I know you all want to come to that. Jesus and Donuts. And it was very simple. The premise was very simple. I talk about Jesus, you get a donut. Yes, I was bribing young people into the kingdom. I am not ashamed of it. Now, we soon discovered you need to preach about Jesus first. As in the first couple of occasions, uh, people came, grabbed a donut, and left. And we realized they're smart. But we changed it. We started to preach about Jesus and give out a donut. And uh, it actually started to grow. In fact, the, the reputation of it became quite, quite big. And so actually, we would cram 70 to 80 young people inside this small classroom and I would stand at the front and I would preach Jesus to them and then on the way out they'd all grab a donut. This was a good season. People gave their life in that classroom. We had many cool things. We sent them all out with leaflets and they went evangelizing in their school. I got told off by a couple of teachers. It's fun, you know, all good stuff. Now, one particular day, um, we went to the shop to buy donuts and we went to Morrison's if you're interested, mainly because they were cheaper. And you could buy in Morrison's uh, a pack of donuts which had six donuts in it. And you could actually get two for one offer. And they only had six packs of donuts. Six times six, Molly, is. <laughs> six times six, Jamie? 36. Okay, he's, a, he's a lawyer. He's got an MA in law. It's fine. And. Uh, there was only 36 donuts. I asked the attendant, I said, look, come on, I need more donuts. I have lots of young people coming. And they said, I'm sorry, we have no more donuts. I go to the service, uh, the service? I go to the gathering at lunchtime. And I stand there with 36 donuts and 52 young people turn up. Now, this may sound normal to you and fine. That is a disaster in the making. Anything could happen now because they expect, if you're going to preach to me, I deserve a donut. So we, we can see this as a big deal. Now, I'm with a friend of mine. His name is Jason, and we are, we're sort of standing there, and he's like, Liam, I've only got, we've only got 36, and there's 52. And I'm like, I do not know what to do, mate. I do not know what to do. And I say, let's just pray. Because, you know, you can pray about anything, first of all. Let's make that point. You can pray about anything. The diet you're about to go on, you can pray about it. The conversation you're about to have, you can pray about it. And I was running out of donuts. I needed to pray about it. So I prayed, and I just said, God, look, we don't have enough donuts. Please let them not riot. That was basically my prayer. Please don't let them kick off and, and I don't know, 
do something damaging to the walls. I don't know. And I just prayed. I just said, God, do something. Do so- we need your help. We need your help. And my, I said to my friend, just go hand them around. And as you hand them around, when you finish, just say, we're really sorry. We'll buy you two next week. Okay? That was my faith. Just wanted to let you know. And uh, my friend went around with all the donuts, handed them all out, handed them all out. And then came back to me, and he had three donuts left. Now, I looked at him and said, how do you have three donuts? He said, I don't know. And I said, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. I said, guys, can everyone stop for a second? And I said, can you put your hand up in this room if you have a donut? And everyone, apart from three people, put their hand up. Donuts came out of nowhere. And I, I remember looking around going, hang on, this can't be right, this can't be right. And there, literally everyone has a donut. And I'm like, did people leave? I'm, I'm trying to figure this out logically. But I just kind of got to myself that maybe, maybe God just showed up and added some donuts to the pack. Now, I'm telling you this because it's awesome and I'm telling you because it's a little bit silly. But I want you to raise your faith for what God can do. I believe God can multiply donuts. So next time you go to Krispy Kreme, just... <laughs> I believe God can. Now, it may sound like a silly little miracle, and maybe it wouldn't hold down in the court of law, or maybe it wouldn't help your atheist friend believe in Jesus, but I saw it happen. And I promise you, I counted, and I looked around, and I tried my best to not make it true, but it was there. It was happening, and we had three donuts left in the bag, and three people that didn't want a donut. God can do the impossible things. If you don't believe me in that, well, I'll maybe make it a bit more serious then. I've been reading a lot about the Azusa Street Revival, uh, it's, a, it's a revival that started the Pentecostal movement in, uh, in L.A., and it was this run-down building with uh, chicken, chicken fences to sit on and flies everywhere in the building, but they were preaching the gospel, and 1,500 people were turning up every single night. And in it, I read a story, and I know that this story is historical fact because the guy I read it from is known for studying revivals, and he sold 17 million copies of a book, and uh, he studies revivals and only allows the story to go into his book or Instagram if it's had three different sources that back it up. I'm telling you that for a reason. And then I read this story, and in this story, a workman had his arm cut off while he was trying to do some work for a machine. This was back in the early 1900s. And he came to the meeting, and Roberts, uh, Roberts led and tells us that the main guy preaching, the guy called William Seymour, was prayed for the guy. And as he prayed, a bone grew out of his arm. The stump of his arm, a bone grew out. And as that grew out, muscles and tendons appeared like something in a film and wrapped itself around the bone and skin became around that. And the man left with a brand new arm. I'm telling you this because I want you to raise your faith for what God can do. And I told you this guy, the guy, the guy that told me this story, I know wouldn't put it unless he had studied it and found out that it had been historical documented. And I read, I read a thing this morning. I was looking on Facebook in the morning. And um, anyone else do that when they wake up? Look at Facebook. I meant the Bible. <laughs> and on there, there was a story about a guy who was preaching in the 1950s. And there's a video of it, an old school footage video. And he's holding this child. And in the tagline says, you know, this child was born without bones in his legs. And in the, fi- in the video, I watched for five minutes as this guy took this kid, carrying this kid, and as he was preaching, he st- every so often he'd stop and pray for him. And then he, after a while, he just decided to put the kid on the floor, and the kid stood on his own bones for the first time. You then see him walking around. God can do more than we can ask or imagine. I'm telling you these things as well because they blow my mind. When I, I look at it and I go, mm, okay, let me check that. I want to make sure 
you know, I, I, we're a big authenticity thing in this nation. We like things to be very authentic and real. And, 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 and I, you know, I was like, can it, this really be true? But I'm trying to increase your faith that God can do incredible things. In fact, you can be a Roman centurion somebody who should never be allowed to encounter God. In fact, it was actually against the Jewish law for the Jewish people to join the Roman army. So if you did join the Roman army, then actually you would never have been allowed to be in the Jewish temples and the Jewish courts. That was the idea. In fact, not only that, not only was he a Roman in the Roman army, was he not going around killing other people? He was actually oppressing the Jews. Apparently he was quite nice about it, we gather. But that was his main job, was to make sure they all did as they were told. And not only that, but he was a foreigner. He was from Italy. He was a foreigner. So if you were a foreigner to the Israel people, that again meant that you couldn't encounter God. You couldn't have an encounter with him. He was a foreigner. Not only that, because he was Italian, it's most likely he was married to a foreign woman, according to foreign to Israel, if you understand where I'm going with this. So again, he should not have been allowed to have an encounter with God. But how many of you know God likes to do the impossible things, things beyond our thinking and imagination? And God met with Cornelius. Where did he meet with him? In a household. And how did he meet with him? An angel came down. He had an encounter with God and an angel came down. Do we have that kind of level of belief and faith that we can have these kind of encounters with God in our house? I want you to increase your faith this morning. Remember last week I shared that passage where the disciples literally yelled, increase our faith. If you want to yell at any point today, you feel free. I want to increase your faith that God can do things in your house. You can have as amazing encounters with God in your home as much as you do here on a Sunday. There is something unique about the gathering of believers, but you can have encounters at your house. Cornelius was at home praying one day and an angel fell before him. If he can have encounters, your house can have encounters. But Liam, you don't understand our house is just crazy. There's lots of stuff going on. There's people that don't believe. It does not matter. You can have encounters. You can have encounters with God in your house. And I want you to believe it. Do you believe it? Okay, let me help you out. I don't know if you fully believe it yet. Let me help you out. Cornelius was known for two things. And these two things actually help you have encounters in your house. So if you as your family would like to have some more encounters together in your house, then I would like to help you just understand these two things. But I'm remembering another point as I say that, which I think I really want to make. So can I rewind? In Acts 12... Peter is arrested and he's put in prison. Do you remember this? And they, the disciples decide to gather in a house and pray for Peter's release. Now they start praying for Peter's release and I don't know quite know what they were thinking, but as they were praying, they were just praying for God to release him. I don't know if they just thought maybe, you know, we'll get a, f- I don't know about a phone call, but we'll get a messenger and they'll tell us that he's allowed to be released. I don't know what they were thinking would happen. But actually, uh, Peter then gets miraculously released from prison by an angel. That's awesome, by the way. But that's not the point. 
The point is that when Peter then comes back to the house of the disciples, he's there banging on the door and they're all praying out loud and they can't hear Peter banging. He's banging on the door and then one of the, the servant girls comes to him, opens up the door and he says, I'm Peter, can you tell the guys I'm here? Can you let me in please? She goes to the disciples and says to the disciples, hey guys, Peter's at the door. They've been praying for Peter to be released, but they do not believe her. Their faith does not believe that Peter can come back. In fact, do you know what their faith level is at? And this is what I love. Their lower faith level says, this is the direct quote of the Bible in Acts, 2, Acts 12. They say, it's probably just an angel. They didn't say probably just. They said, it is likely an angel. Think about that. Their level of faith couldn't believe that Peter might be set free from prison, would come home. But their level of faith was such a level, they expected an angel to come knocking, which tells me they must have seen it before. They must be so used to interactions with angels that it's actually not uncommon for an angel to come knocking at their door. I would love it to be The encounters with God, maybe not necessarily with an angel, but encounters with God are so common in your house. That actually, when someone's knocking at the door, you don't think it's probably someone trying to sell me something. You probably think, well, it must be an angel. God sent someone to our door for a reason. Wouldn't that be great if that's how your house looked at life? So let's go back to Cornelius. Did that raise your faith a little bit more? I'm glad I made that point. Cornelius was known for two things, praying and being generous. He was a consistent man of prayer who feared God, and he was generous by giving money to the poor. I believe these two things, if you add them to your household, will help you uh, get there. And there is another thing at the end, but I'm going to throw that in at the end. First one, prayer. I want you to pray as a family. I know that's probably not big revelation for you. I haven't had to study the Greek to figure that one out. I didn't have to dig deep. But I feel like it's extremely important. Pray as a family. Now, I'm talking to any time of any form of family. Because I know probably some of you here, you're like, well, I'm single. Or, you know, we're just recently married. Or maybe you had a family and maybe you don't now. For whatever reason, your family situation is... Pray as a family in some form or context. That does not have to be your biological parents and your biological kids. That could be your next door neighbor, the Christian friend you're becoming friends with. But what I'm trying to get you to do is I want you to pray more regularly. I want you to pray consistently. If you are married and your partner is in the room, would you please pray with them? I am amazed and I'm actually a little bit shocked as I got married, how I've learned how many other couples do not pray together. I've, I've been amazed. I thought it was a, just a thing that everyone did, and I'm learning that it wasn't. And actually, it's funny because when science in your own home, how many of you know you can hide it a lot better? This is why it's so important because actually, it's a, it actually becomes a secret place for you. And so you can pretend, oh, yeah, yeah, we've been praying. I've been reading my Bible privately. I've been praying on my own. But actually, you know whether you have and you know whether you haven't. Only you do. I cannot come watch your house because that would be weird. That would be creepy as a pastor. Right? You know. You know whether you as a couple have really prayed together recently. You know whether you've put a fasting challenge on your house. You know whether you are declaring good things over it or you're letting worry and fear drive your house. You know. I do not know. I could probably take a guess from the gift of discernment, but that's not what I'm about. You, you know, 
And so can I just say a very simple point? Pray together. Now, if you're thinking, but Liam, I do live alone. Okay, that's fine. Find somebody who is a prayer partner for you. Call them. Say, we're going to pray together every Thursday night or whatever. Or just make sure you are praying by yourself. Cornelius was by himself when he prayed and an angel came. I want you guys to have such incredible encounters at home that when you come on a Sunday, we're just taken to a whole nother level. Because this is, this is now not the, uh, this is not the end game. This is not the big exciting thing at the end. This is, this is like the, I don't know, this is just the warm up for what you're going to have during the week. I want us to think about it differently. I want you to pray together at home. Okay, let's talk about it practically. You don't have to do anything massive. Don't do any massive changes. What I've often found is when you try and change a discipline or something in your life, if you change too much too fast, you will never do it. Which, by the way, is why diets don't normally work. They try and change too much too fast. If you really want to change your diet, change one thing at a time. In fact, the Japanese actually have a technique, which is called the one-minute... Um, I can't remember what it's... It's about a one-minute thing. I can't remember. It's, it's, got a, it's got a Japanese name, and I'm trying to remember it. But their, their idea is just do one thing for one minute. Because everyone can do one thing for one minute, and you build it up, and you build it up. What I'm trying to say to you, when you're starting with prayer, don't feel like you have to go, right, guys, Friday night, two hours, worship, a Holy Spirit session together. That might be a bit intense to start with if you've not prayed together much recently. But maybe that is the next step for you. But what I just recommend is why don't you just try finding a moment in the day or in the week where you actually set aside a time aside and you consistently pray together. So maybe for you that's just communion before Friday, before everyone goes to work. You'll wake up a bit earlier, you just stand around and you just do communion together, five minutes, good, we're done. Or maybe it's when everyone comes home on a Monday and because you can't meet in the morning because everyone's leaving at different times and you just say, look, when everyone comes home, before we do anything else, we come together and we give thanks for the, the day that we've had. I don't mind what you do. I don't mind if it's 10 seconds long. I just ask you, pray together. Now, if you're saying, but Liam, my husband or my wife or my kids don't believe, that's okay. What I would love you to do is set aside time to regularly pray for them. Can I increase your faith for your family to be saved? I want to release that right now. Holy Spirit, gift of faith to be released in you for your family to be saved. Or maybe your family are saved, but they're not really actually going for it with God. So I pray in Jesus' name that your family will become on fire for Jesus. They will come to you and ask to pray. I want to believe it for you. If you're struggling with that, trust me, me and Emily are praying and praying and praying for our family. And it's amazing today because I have three, uh, three of the youngest members of our family here today. And my nephew is in a household that is not a believing household, but he's in church today. Yeah, he's three, but I'm just praying, sign of the Holy Spirit just sticks with him. We're praying for it, and me and Emily have seen amazing things happen with our family. We started praying last year. Uh, it was one of our prayer goals for the year. Yes, Emily and I set prayer goals for the year. Try that if that helps you. And one of them was to see our family members saved. Within a couple of weeks, somebody in our family posted on Facebook and said, I've now decided to believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And we're like, okay, we didn't even pray for that guy by name. Like, that, was just a, that was just an add-on. And I saw him recently, actually, and he is just so on fire for Jesus. I want you to increase your faith for your family. Is that okay? Generosity. I want you to set some stuff aside, set some money aside, set some time aside as a family to decide how you're going to be generous. Okay, I know, is this okay? I know this is very simple stuff this morning, 
but I believe it's very vital for us to build a foundation upon. Because if we can get this in our families, us as a family together, it'll be easy. Try every month, if this helps, try every month, set some, ti- set some money aside, and as a family, decide how you want to give the money away. Who you want to give it to. Or maybe if it's not money, time. How do we want to give our time away? Try and set some stuff aside so that you are building these things regularly into your life. If you're struggling, you're thinking, but Liam, I have teenagers or I have early 20s and I'm going to really struggle to get them to come to a prayer meeting with me. They're going to find that really awkward. Well, that's okay. Start with generosity. Sit them around a table and say, okay, you have 50 quid. Who are you going to give it to? Trust me, everybody loves giving stuff away. It's awesome. Who doesn't find joy in helping somebody else? Teenagers will love it if you say, I've given you some money so you can give it to someone else. Empower somebody else to be generous. So your house is a house of generosity. Think about what does your house represent. Is your house open? Or is it closed? Is it, is it, is it you know, you have to make an appointment to come see us? Or is it open? Is it a generous household? Is it an open household? Try and do this. If you do this, it will actually help you have an encounter with God. How will all of this help you have an encounter with God? Well, if your house is open, it's more likely for an angel to walk in. It might not be an angel, but let's put it, if your house is open, it's more likely that a man or woman of God might walk in. If you're thinking, I would love some more prayer in my house, I'll tell you what, next time Emily and I come round, before we leave, make us pray a blessing over your household. Next time you have just a Christian friend over, say, will you pray a blessing on our household? I know this is very simple, it's very practical, but I'm really hoping this gets into your spirit. Prayer, generosity. Build them into your family. Now, let's dial it up a little bit. Put the scalpel in a little bit more. Men. Can I speak to men? I'm a big believer in godly, powerful, strong men. And I pray for it for this church. I I, I love the fact that women seem to be occupying the domain. That's awesome. I have no issue with that. But you do go to a lot of churches and women outnumber men. I'm believing for many mighty men of God in this, this house. I'm just thinking about David and his mighty men. He had like 600 mighty men and actually... Uh, the least of them was able to kill hundreds of people at one time. Wouldn't that be awesome? We just have, we just have, (laughs) you're thinking, hang on a second. Wouldn't it be cool if the least of men in this place could save a hundred souls? I want to believe for men. Can I get like an amen from the women in the house just so you can encourage the men? Two things I want to say about this. Men, I want you to take responsibility for your house. I want you to take responsibility for your house. Now, if you're thinking I'm a single man, that's fine. You get practicing. Right? This is not about, I'm not trying to, don't think I'm not speaking to you if you're not in a two mom and dad, two kids. That's not what I'm trying to. If you belong in a house, if you live in a house, take some responsibility for it or learn how to take responsibility. Start speaking and dictating the vision and direction of the household. You see, what you'll find about Cornelius in Acts 10 is Cornelius gets an encounter with God. He then sets a direction, go and get Peter for me. And then Peter comes back into the house, the generous open house. He preaches the gospel and all his household get filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and all his household get baptized in water. So in one moment, Cornelius led his whole, f- his whole household, which would have been, by the way, soldiers that were attending to him and servants that were attending to him, because that's how it went back then. If you were part of the household, you were part of everything the family did. You were the religion that your, your master was. So his servants would have been baptized and become part of it, because it started with an encounter that Cornelius had. Men of God in the room, get yourself alone with God and have encounters with him. And then what God says to you, make that the direction of the household. And then hold it. Believe in it. Create discipline if somebody walks away from it. Do what you need to do to keep the family aligned with the direction of God. Why is that so important? Because if you keep them on that path, they will have their own encounter with God. It's not so tricky to try and save your teenager or keep them in church. You just got to keep yourself on the path that God's told you. So men of God, I just want to raise you up. I want to give you faith to take hold of your family and say, this is going to be a house of God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Start speaking the things. We are going to pray together. Take some responsibility for it. Friday morning, Saturday afternoon, Sunday before church, whenever you decide, we're going to do communion together. I'm, I'm as a dad, I'm calling a fast over this house. That's what I want to hear from our men. I hope I'm not being too good, thanks, looking at the wife. <laughs> but men, I just want you to set a direction. What I find is men set the direction and then the women create a culture for it. It's what I've personally found in looking at scripture. I may be wrong now, I'm not trying to make any sexist comments. But I found that when men set a direction for the house and women create a culture for it, it works beautifully together. Which is why Emily and I feel like we lead this church together. Emily and I do talk about this a lot and I've made very clear that I'm going to set a direction. I'm going to hear from God, and I'm going to set a direction for this house. This year, it's revealing the saints. It's about us getting out, as we've heard before. But I believe Emily brings a culture. She brings a motherhood. She brings a warmth. She brings a kindness. She brings this kind of bringing us all together. And can I then, second point with that, can I encourage the women of the house? And I'm only saying it this way around because I believe that women are a lot more in the house of God, okay? And I believe there is a deficit in men in the house of God, which is why I'm saying it like this. Women, can you encourage the manhood in your men? Do not emasculate the men in your life. Please. It is a common problem these days. You know, the typical, uh, I was thinking of um, uh, keeping up appearances. Do you remember that old school show, anyone? Mrs. Mrs. Bouquet or Bucket? You know, I'm thinking of this stereotypical, she, she is dominating her husband, not letting her husband speak, not letting her husband stand up for the right things, not letting her husband direct and give vision to their household. She, she's speaking over, she's emasculating him. And I always hate those kind of things. Do not emasculate the men around you. Speak life into them. When they set, when they, when they set something, when they speak something forth, when they prophesy something over the house, when they speak a word over the house, just amen them. Go with them. Say, you're my mighty man of God. I always love this couple that go to Kerith Community Church. He's an elder in our church. And he does a lot of traveling to Europe with his wife. They're called Ken and Anne. And I love this couple because Anne, the way Anne speaks about Ken, even though they are in their late 70s, you should hear her speak about her man. And I remember one time there was a situation happening in Albania because there's often a situation happening in Albania. And it's a situation happening and, and no one's been able to sort it out. And Ken goes, right, that's it, I'm going over. Ken gets up, starts storming over and Anne just looks at us and goes, watch my warrior. And we're like, 
I'm sorry, Anne. He's like, he's going to sort it right now. And there was just such a confidence in her man. And I was like, Anne, I love that. I love that. And you know what? That doesn't have to just be with your husband. It can be with your son. It can be with your brother. It can be with men in the house of God. If you see a man, if you just see, I don't know, you see Jack just doing something awesome, just God said, you're a mighty man of God. Because we need to own the deficit in the church. And we need to take responsibility. There is a gap here of strong, mighty men, and we all need to take responsibility to building that back up. Please hear me. I'm not trying to say anything negative about women. I'm just saying because I think you women are owning it. And I think there should be some men alongside you doing it as well. Is that okay? I want to see that more. We're going to pray for that. Maybe we'll do men's events. I don't know, Paul. I'm looking at you. But I feel like Paul's a manly man. I don't know why. (laughs) Paul and Duncan are sitting next to each other. It's quite intimidating, actually. (laughs) But I am excited. And I do feel like God has blessed us with mighty men of God. And I think he's going to use us to set a new trend and a new tone for the house of God. So I'm very excited. Um, That's good. You sinking in? I want you to have encounters at home. Okay? Hopefully you've got some real practical stuff. I want to give you one last thing. Cornelius had an encounter with God. But what's very interesting is what God asked of him. God said to him, can you please go and get Peter? I need Peter to come and minister to you. Now, we're going to read about what happened to Peter next week, and we're going to go through then how when they joined together, what happened then the week after. But he asked for Peter. Now, I found that very interesting. My God, why did Peter need to go? There was reasons that Peter needed to go for Peter's life, but I asked it on behalf of Cornelius. That would have been a weird thing. You have an encounter with God, and God says, can you get somebody else? I'm like, well, you're here. I'll just deal with you, mate. And he's like, no, I need you to have Peter. And here's what I want to say for your household. Your household will be able to flourish more when it has a covering over it. When I say covering, I mean a pastoral gift from God. When your house has a pastor or an apostle or an evangelist that covers it, it will be able to cause a blessing for your household. Because they will be able to bring you new and fresh insight and revelation that will help you go deeper in God. Cornelius had to call Peter for a few things. One is to help him discern what the hell this encounter was. I want you to have such incredible encounters that you call up me and Emily and go, I just don't know what happened. So that we can help you discern what God is saying about your family. And then he called Peter because then Peter came to the house and he taught the word of God to them. You need a pastor over your life. You need an apostle, whatever word or term you want to use. You need one covering your life so that you can have the word of God taught to you in a fresh way. And then he had Peter come over and Peter saw them all baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. That must have been a fun family meeting. And they all get baptized in water. You need a pastor in your life to help you create space in your life to have an encounter with God. What am I trying to say here? Get covering. Now I'm saying this, I know it's a bit tricky because I'm saying this as the probably person you might ask to cover. But try and ignore that for a second. I'm try- I was trying to think about it how me and Emily get covering. Please hear me on this. You don't just get automatic covering by attending on a Sunday. If you receive my words on a Sunday, you receive the anointing and the power of those words, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you are covered as a household. How you see the pastor, how Cornelius saw Peter, was more important than how Peter saw Cornelius. 
Cornelius had to submit himself to Peter. In fact, if you read the story, there's a very good interaction. As Peter walks through the door, Cornelius falls to the floor. Now, Peter says, whoa, man, I'm not Jesus. Just stand back up. It's okay. But Cornelius is saying, I honor you. I submit to you. I want to hear what you have. I want you to cover my life. Literally, his shadow would have covered Cornelius. In Nigeria, if you ever have a chance to travel with me sometime, maybe, if you go to Nigeria, as the pastor walks through the door, they literally bow to him. Now, I'm not saying that we need to do this. Please don't hear me wrong. But what I am saying is there is a, there is a culture in Nigeria where it says, Pastor, I'm covered by you. Now, that covering is hard for us to do because it involves submission. Always a tricky thing. But it will bring great blessing because if Cornelius had not submitted to Peter and invited him into his house, then he would have never received the power of the Holy Spirit and enabled him to do what he then needed to do. You must decide to have a covering over your house, but you must decide it. I cannot decide it for you. You might say, well, Liam and Emily, but no, are we your pastors? You must decide that for yourself. Now, if you don't think we are, that's fine. I'm not going to be offended because, trust me, it's Jesus through me anyway. I'm not being offended. But find somewhere where you will get covering. Because if you do not cover your house, it then opens it up to attack. So any encounter that you have can be twisted and manipulated by the enemy. Covering brings protection. Covering brings anointing. Covering brings power. So I'm saying this. I want you to think about who is covering you in your life. Now, as our church grows, it's going to be very unlikely that Emily and I will be the only people doing that. And I hope that is, I hope we do grow and that there's multiple hundreds and thousands of people coming to our church. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be me and Emily, but pick somebody in your life that comes as a covering to your house. That when they come, you take it seriously. When Pastor K comes to England, I give him money. And I know it sounds so funny, it sounds like I'm setting myself up. I give him money, I give him time. When he's here in the country, I drive to see him. I, when I greet him, I bow, because I'm trying to say, I need covering. Everyone needs a pastor. Everyone needs a pastor. And I want to do whatever it takes to show him I want his blessing, I want his covering, because I believe it unlocks something of God for you. Because as God then is speaking to the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists and teachers, he can then pass on to your house. Is this helpful? I know it might, some of that stuff might have been quite challenging, might have been quite controversial. I hope it wasn't too extreme. And please hear me, I'm not saying any of this for my own benefit. I'm saying it because I want to see your ham- family having a great time with God. I want to see the kids that you have not wandering off. I want to see the next door neighbors that you are near to you just feeling the presence of God as you are praying. I want you to have encounters with God in your bedroom. I want you to know God as intimately and as powerfully as Cornelius did. And I want you to be praying. I want you to be generous. And I want you to be covered so that you can grow in God. That's what I'm asking of you. Is that okay? All right, very practical, hopefully, today and hopefully helped you. Just close your eyes. I'm going to pray for you. God, there's a lot of stuff there today. A lot of practical things. I pray right now you just highlight one thing to us. Each of us individually. Highlight one thing. Just highlight one thing. Do we need to set time aside to pray? 
Do we need to be a bit more generous? Do we need to lift up the man in the house? Do we need to find covering and honor and honor that covering, submit to it? God, just point one thing to each of us. I'm not expecting anyone to have all these things down straight away. But just work on one thing. Just work on one minute of prayer a week. If that's all it is right now, that's fine. If it's just coming up to me and Emily and saying, I want you to know, I see you as my pastor, then that's fine. If that's what's going to help you. If it's just thinking about your money and thinking, right, I'm just going to set some aside to give away. Just let God speak to you. Holy Spirit, I lift up the men in the room. I pray you would give them a strength and a mightiness. Give them some might, God. May the least of us be able to save a hundred souls. May we have such incredible men of God in this house. I pray for incredible women as well. Strong, amazing, brave women. But I pray particularly today that those incredible, strong, brave women would help lift some mighty men up. I ask it in your mighty name, Jesus.